The Egypt Game, Chapter 5 The Evil God and the Secret Spy When April and Marshall and Melanie squeezed back through the fence for the second time, they found everything just as they had left it. They started out by pulling the rest of the dead weeds and stacking them in one corner of the yard. While Marshall stood guard halfway down the alley to see if anyone was coming, they shoved the whole stack stack out through the hole in the fence. Then they scattered around and found a trash bin that was nice and roomy and not too full to hold an extra donation of dead weeds. When at last the loose stones and broken bits of things had been cleared away, Egypt looked clean and bare and ready for whatever might be going to happen. Next, they turned their attention to the lean-to shed, or the temple, as they were already beginning to call it. It was actually only a wooden platform about a foot off the ground across one end of the yard. A roof of corrugated tin was supported in the front by a few wooden posts, and on the other three side walls were f- oh, I'm sorry, and on the other three sides, walls were formed by the tall boards of the fence. Already, the birdbath altar of Neferetti, the fancy pillars from the porch of some Victorian mansion, and the crumbling statue of Diana by the entrance, was beginning to create a temple-like atmosphere. But there was much more that could be done. April and Melanie were sitting on the edge of the temple's floor, resting for a moment, and planning, when April pointed out the only real door to the storage yard. It was on the opposite side from the loose plank and was apparently locked with a latch and padlock from the outside. I wonder where it goes to, she said. Melanie thought a moment. I guess it goes to the rest of the professor's backyard, she said. You know, that part with the driveway so trucks and things can back up to the store for deliveries. You can see into that part from the alley. It was right then, when she mentioned the professor, that Melanie, for the first time, had an uncomfortable feeling. What do you suppose the professor would do if he caught us in here? She wondered out loud. April shrugged. Melanie had told her how most of the children in the neighborhood felt about the professor. While she had to admit he'd been a little creepy, she didn't see what all the fuss was about. But Melanie seemed to feel that April's short talk with the old man had made her an authority on the subject. So she was more or less obliged to come up with an opinion. I don't think he'd do a thing, she said. I just don't think he'd even care, as long as we don't bother him or hurt anything. Besides, how's he going to know? You can tell by the weeds and everything that no one's been in here for ages. I bet the padlock on that door is rusted so tight he couldn't get in if he wanted to. And that window isn't the kind that opens. He'd have to break the glass if he wanted to get through. He might be watching us through it, though. Somehow, that thought was almost more scary than the possibility of the professor actually entering the yard. With one accord, the girls moved warily towards the window. Closer and closer, until their noses were only inches from the dirty panes. Then, Melanie breathed a sigh of relief. There's something like a heavy curtain hanging clear across it. He couldn't see that. Besides, I don't think he could see through the dirt even if there wasn't a curtain. I'll bet this window's in some little back room he doesn't even use anymore. Otherwise, he wouldn't leave it so dirty. Feeling pleasantly safe and secure, the girls sat back down and began to make plans. Marshall was busy digging a little hole in the middle of the yard with a sharp stick. 
He had knotted two of Security's legs together around his neck so that his hands would be free for digging. Security's pear-shaped, plush body and six of his black legs were hanging down Marshall's back. I know, April said suddenly. Sorry, children, Mr. Weekly called me while I was recording, so I don't know exactly where I left off. I'm going to take it from this part. I know, April said suddenly. Marshall can be the young pharaoh, heir to the throne of Egypt. Only there's a civil war going on, and the other side is trying to kill him. Okay, and we can be high priestesses of Isis who are assigned to protect him. Um, April said. Or else we could be evil high priestesses who are going to offer him his human sacrifice on the crocodile altar to... What was that evil god's name? Set? Yeah, that's the one. April jumped to her feet. Throwing her arms up, she chanted, Almighty Set has promised his servants, the crocodile gods of the Nile, the bloody heart of the young pharaoh Marsh, uh, Marshamosis. She dropped to her knees. Oh, mighty Set, god of evil, we hear and obey. Marshall had stopped digging, and now he stood up and started towards the opening in the fence. The girls ran after him. He didn't struggle when they caught him, but Melanie was familiar with the expression on his face. His funny little baby round chin was sticking out defiantly, and his black eyes glared. Leave my bloody heart alone, he said. The girls giggled. You know, he's pretty sharp for a four-year-old, April said. Melanie got down on her knees and tried to take Marshall's hands, but he wouldn't turn loose of security. Marshall, honey, she said, it's just a game. Just pretend. We wouldn't really hurt you. What's a pharaoh? Marshall asked suspiciously. A king, Melanie said. King of all the Egyptians. Marshall's frown lifted a little, and his chin began to go back to its normal position. A terribly important kind of king, April said. Everybody has to bow down to him and do exactly what he says. Marshall nodded soberly. I'll play, he said. So that was the way Set started. Set, the god of evil and black magic. At first he was just supposed to be a character in that particular game. And that first day he was represented by a picture of a man with an animal's head that Melanie drew on a piece of cardboard and tacked to the wall. But once he got started, he seemed to grow and develop almost on his own and all out of control. And he, he was more than evil, and at times a lot more than Egyptian. For instance, at different times, his wicked tricks included everything from atomic ray guns to sulfur and brimstone. But actually, that was the way with all of it with the Egypt game. Nobody ever planned it ahead, at least not very far. Ideas began and grew, and afterwards it was hard to remember just how. That was one of the mysterious and fascinating things about it. On that particular day, the game about Marsha Moses, the boy pharaoh, and Set, the god of evil, didn't get very far. They'd no more than get gotten started when April and Melanie decided they just had to have some more equipment before they could play it well. So they postponed the game and went instead to scout around in the alley for boards and boxes to use in making things like thrones and altars. 
They found just what they needed behind the donut shop and the furniture, furniture store in the next block and brought them back to Egypt. And it was on the same trip that they had the good luck to rescue an old metal mixing bowl from a gar garbage pail. April said it would be just the thing for a fire pit for building sacred fires. When they had everything as far as the hole in the fence, they ran into a problem. The bowl and boards went through all right, but the boxes were just too big. The only solution was to throw them over the top of the fence. It wasn't easy, and in landing they made quite a bit of noise. It wasn't long after that the curtain on the small window at the back of the professor's store was pushed very carefully to one side. But April and Melanie were so busy building and planning that they didn't notice at all. Only someone with a very sharp eyes would have been able to see the figure that stood silently behind the very dirty window in the darkened room.